It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Coming up, today's the day your votes are in. We're unveiling the fourth and final member of our Vikings, Mount Rushmore, voted by you. And it's coming up next on today's Throwback Tuesday edition of the Football Party. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings' Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Back in the lab, another edition, Football Party, Locked On Sports Minnesota Network, your daily breakdown, everything Minnesota Vikings. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Big day today, Sam, because we find out who our fourth and final member of our Vikings Mount Rushmore will be once and for all. How about that? Yeah, I've seen a lot of comments on this, man. We got um, 1.5 thousand votes 1500 votes another way to 1.5 is a weird way to say it but 1500 votes um on the the community page on youtube we have a clear winner excited to unveil it uh but the biggest the biggest comments we got were where's ap and where's john randall and we answered the first one ap we said he's not a ring of honor member he's not you know hasn't really gotten to that point where he's inducted into the vikings hall of fame so-called um, and John Randall, we labored over that last week, um, talking about whether it was Chris Carter or John Randall, who we put on the poll, is a really tough decision. So uh, we're, we're taking some heat, but we do have an overwhelming winner in this poll. Yeah, dodging some bullets. And it's kind of bittersweet, man, because it's been a ton of fun going through all this Vikings history, deep diving into all the player legacies with you. And I think it's just been... It's just been a great way to grind through another long offseason during the summer abyss, as we like to call it. And it was a grind. I will say that at times a very difficult process. But man, we really got our money's worth out of this thing, I think. And I can't wait to finally unveil this fourth and final member to everyone listening at home once and for all. First things first, though, quick reminder, don't forget this episode 
brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, Sam, quick little recap. So going into last week, you and I had come up with the first three picks all on our own. Moss, Alan Page, Fran the Man Tarkington, all locked in stone. Quite literally, actually locked in stone up on our Mount Rushmore. Yes. And that was the easy part, honestly. Then came the really tough part. You and I had to trim down four options for the fans at home. Again, kind of an excruciating process in itself. The rules were simple. This was a players-only draft, so no Bud Grant, for example. He probably would have been a no-brainer up there. And then the other rule was... We picked from players who were already inducted into the Vikings Ring of Honor. So like you mentioned, took a lot of heat for no AP. A guy like AP, I'm sure to make the cut somewhere down the line in the not-so-distant future, he was ineligible just for this exercise. So we got Moss, Page, and Fran. And then the four names you and I came up with, Carl Eller, Vikings all-time sack leader, stud. Jim Marshall, second all-time sacks, played 17 seasons with the team. Stud. Randall McDaniel, arguably one of the best guards in the history of the NFL, which that's pretty good, I guess. And then last but not least, Chris Carter, which I mean, it's Chris Carter. No explanation needed for that one. Um, You mentioned we had to dodge some bullets. John Randall was a name thrown out there a lot. No, John Randall. I'm going to burn this place down. Are you nuts? You don't bleed. AP was a popular one. Was there any like random ones though that you got that you just kind of chuckled at that you're like, I can't tell if this guy is being serious or if he's joking. I know um, serious wise, Paul Krause was also thrown out quite a bit. I will yes. say that. Yes. Um, Paul Krause, and, and that's a serious suggestion. Like For he sure. definitely had a clean interception. And and the reason that we nixed him was because he did so much in his career for Washington mm-hmm. early on. Like he had he had four unbelievable years and did just a lot of damage with the team, not the Vikings. That was kind of the only knock against him for the criteria. And then there was one, Oh, Chuck Foreman got tossed out mm, there. There you go. Chuck, which and I don't, I don't think that he had a chance in this, but he's a top five. Like he's maybe on the running back Mount Rushmore in for team sure. history. I mean, he's a great player uh, for his time, but I didn't see anything else that was kind of off the wall. Everyone took this pretty seriously. The comments are very, bit you know business like people were into this i loved it chris dolman got flung out keith millard got ron yeri but again seemed to be in that clear-cut second tier again the john randall's ap's paul kraus those guys made it really difficult difficult process as it was but in the end we only got four to choose from so here we go sam without further ado here are the results you mentioned it over 1500 votes tallied up on the lockdown sports minnesota youtube community page Go like and subscribe if you haven't already. Plug, plug, plug. In fourth place, 11% of your votes. And by far for me, just the biggest shocker for me and my money. Carl Eller, fourth place, 11% of your votes. Third place with 17% of your votes, Mr. Jimmy Marshall. Second place, 18% of your votes, Randall McDaniel. And in first place, the winner, fourth and final member of our Vikings, Mount Rushmore 2023 offseason edition, with over half your votes coming in at a staggering 53%. Christopher, Darren, Carter. Come on out, Chris. Come on down. Yeah, just, just pose for us while we chisel you into the rock. Yeah, it, it sounds like for us for a bit. Time we'll sit down today. Yeah, I appreciate it, Chris. Yeah. Uh, he did want to mention, though, and I quote, 
Yeah, this is without a doubt the greatest achievement of my lifetime, end quote. His words, not mine. Thank you, thank you Chris. Thank so, you. Moss, Page, Tarkington, and Chris Carter. So I guess, Sam, now that's all said and done, you got the final four up there. When you look at those four names, what's one or two thoughts that just pop into your head with that group as a whole? Um, all deserving. You've got the best quarterback in franchise history, especially for his era. Arguably the best defender in team history in Alan Page. You know, having I think having a uh, a an Eller or a Marshall or a Randall McDaniel would have balanced it a little bit more. I mean, you do have two 90s receivers in there who just so happened to be two of the best in NFL history playing together mm-hmm. on the same team, um, which is crazy. Chris Carter won a majority of this vote because he is still so visible, I think, as a Vikings ambassador. He is generous with his time. He's come on the Ron Johnson show before, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's just very familiar with all of these fans today. Um, it makes sense that he would would be the runaway winner. I think I'm actually proud of the fans for giving Randall McDaniel some second place love Me too. because he he was so deserving and maybe the best at his position ever. Disappointed. Carl Eller didn't uh, get more of a vote because I would have loved to see more of a a battle for this final spot. But in Mm -hmm. the end, Chris Carter, all he does, what does he do? Catch touchdowns. Catch touchdowns. Yeah, that's right. That's right. NFL primetime. Chris Carter, to your point here, Sam, not Randy Moss, but Chris Carter is your all-time receiving leader in Vikings history. And as good as Moss was, I think if you said, if we could go back and redo this whole thing, if you could only have one Viking wideout up there, as unpopular of an opinion or an idea as it is, I know, Chris Carter has the stats to, if nothing else, warrant a conversation or an argument for greatest Vikings wideout of all time. I mean, it kind of gets glossed over a little bit too easy for me and my money sometimes. And I grew up with Randy Moss. He's one of my favorites of all time. But think about it. Chris Carter is the all-time Vikings leader in yards. He's the all-time leader in receptions. And that one's not even close, really. Almost double over Randy Moss and Adam Thielen. And he's the all-time leader in Vikings touchdowns scored by a skill position player with 110. That's eight more than Adrian Peterson. Think about how good Adrian Peterson was, how dominant he was. Chris Carter's got eight more touchdowns than Adrian Peterson and 18 more than Randy Moss. So receptions, yards, touchdowns, when you think greatest Vikings to ever do it, and you think wideout specifically, I understand what Randy Moss did in a smaller time frame was more robust, more magical than anything we had ever seen before. I mean, he literally changed the way we look at the wide receiver position. It's why he's up there on our Mount Rushmore. Mm -hmm. But when you think about someone being a franchise leader in reception yards, catches, and touchdowns, and it's all the same guy, it's really difficult to articulate why Chris Carter shouldn't be up there among the final four, if not maybe even ahead of Randy Moss, if you could only pick one. His career, obviously, is one of the best ever. But a lot of his best years were also in New England, right? Kind of a 50-50 mm-hmm. split when he left. So when you look at it in a vacuum of just the years these guys played in purple, Carter may have not had the, again, mystique or the magic that Moss played with. But 
the proof is in the pudding here, Sam. I mean, Carter has all the stats and the volume to back it up. So I, I think it's only right Chris Carter made it on our Mount Rushmore, and I'm glad he was voted in as our final member because it would have been a shame if he didn't end up making the cut. Yeah, would have been very interesting if that's Randall in that spot instead of Carter to see yeah. who ends up winning. It's probably some justification for us to go with Carter, the fact that he ran away with that vote. Um, Luke, have you ever seen Missing Rings, the NFL Network show about the 98 Vikings? Features Chris Carter um, speaking as a player that didn't win a ring that year and never won a ring, never won mm. a championship in the NFL. And if you weren't a Chris Carter fan, you watch that show and he is so sympathetic as a character. Um, the, the effort that he put forward, the amount that he cared like Chris Carter just cared so much. He worked so hard and he was a tough guy to deal with sometimes because he cared so much. And he's like, I, I don't love team sports because you have to rely on other people, right? You have to rely on other variables and factors. It's not up to you whether you win or lose. It's up to a lot of other stuff. Um, and at the end of the show, he's just looking at his hand, his ringless hand. Oh, and no. you're like, oh man. Oh, man, Ugh. my heart just goes out to this guy. It's Ugh. so endearing to Chris Carter. But I think that's I think that everyone kind of feels that way about Chris. Like you recognize how much he cared to be a Viking and be part of that. Um, so th and that that clearly has had an impact on people, just like how much he's been connected to the fan base. Before we move on, hey, just quick shout out, all you guys following each and every Tuesday during this project. This was a super fun way just to get through these dog days of summer. And in turn, I got to tell you, Sam, I don't know about you. I, I personally learned a lot more about some of the all-time greats in Vikings history during this past month doing so much research that we did. So I hope you guys did too at home. Huge shout out. Again, Sam mentioned it. One and a half thousand listeners got their vote in over at the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube community page. If you haven't already, go like and subscribe to the YouTube page. Greatly appreciated. And be on the lookout each and every day and posting fun new polls like this one. So go check it out. Super fun, Sam. Any just final closing thoughts before we move on? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I feel like when we were forced to actually stack these guys up against each other and compare you learn some stuff, you know, you learn some stuff about eras that you didn't live through. You didn't cover, um, you know, the breaking down, maybe the nuances of the purple people leaders and looking deeper into Fran Tarkenton and coming away, I think with some greater appreciation for that generation of Vikings football, because it really is kind of concentrated. Luke, you've got that era around 1970, right? The teams mm -hmm. that made all those Super Bowls, And then there's kind of a gap between like late seventies and the nineties where then all these other great players came along, the McDaniels, Randalls, Carters, Mosses. So um, you got to appreciate those great eras when they come around. That's for sure. Yeah, well said. Coming up next, I'm putting Sam on the hot seat when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings upcoming 2023 season. But first, quick reminder. Don't forget, we're presented by FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On, America's number one sports book, and official sports book partner of the MLB. Minnesota Twins taking on the Mariners in game two tonight. Twins underdogs once again. You can find them right now at plus 110 over under. Currently sitting at seven and a half. Get in on all the action at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. And remember, if you're a new customer, 
Get 10 times your first wager and bonus bets back up to $200 for free. Just download the easy-to-use FanDuel app and get your winnings instantly. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, future bets. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire MLB season. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel with $200 in free bonus bets back today. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, Sam, new segment I got today called What's More Likely? I got a list of questions catered specifically around this Vikings upcoming 2023 season. Premise is pretty simple. I'm going to name off two scenarios for the Vikings, and you tell me which one is more likely. Easy enough? Easy enough. You have not told me what the scenarios are, so this is going to be organic in my reaction. Looking forward to it. Yeah, you're going in blind. Um, let's get a little music going here. Get a little game show vibe here. Let's see. Uh, let's see what. Okay, we got a little rock going on here. How about this, Sam? I'm into it. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, we're jamming, baby. Okay, all right. Here we go. What is this? 93x. All right. What's more likely in 2023? The Vikings having a top five offense, or the Vikings having a top 15 defense? What's more likely? Top five offense. Uh, they they keep the offensive line intact. They keep most of their skill players intact. Uh, they're going to have another year under their belt in the system with Kevin O'Connell. They've learned some lessons, and we saw in the documentary just how tough it was that for them early on last year, and they were really winning games in spite of not having great system knowledge. Going in with continuity in that way, I think will will give them a chance to be top five, and and really they have to be. I think top five. Because of that defense, I don't see them being top half. Agreed. You swap out Adam Thielen for a first-round pick at wide receiver Jordan Addison. You swap out Dalvin Cook for a new running back by committee rotation. But outside of that, total continuity up and down the roster, as you said. So uh, I agree. Next one up. Who's more likely to get more snaps in week one, Patrick Jones or DJ Wanham? Mm, yeah, so we don't know yet if one of them is starting or not because we don't know about Daniil Hunter. I'm just going to I'm going to say Patrick Jones. Um I think that Wanham might have the early uh edge just being a little more veteran in nature, but I think that when push comes to shove, I think that uh Wanham could be like an easy cut at training camp cutdowns just because he's in the last year of his contract. He's had so many chances and has not been effective. I think Patrick Jones is a little more upside. So I'm going to go Patrick Jones eventually emerging once we get through the whole camp and preseason process. Yeah, just given his age, I think the edge has to go to Patrick Jones. But if they do end up trading to Neil Hunter for some reason, wouldn't surprise you or shock you at all if they had to keep both these guys and they both played big roles in 2023 in Brian Flores' defense. Next one up, more likely to start in week one. Ole Udo or Jordan Addison? Remember, Brian O'Neill's injured. Yeah. Don't know his timetable yet. Rumored could be healthy for week one. Addison, of course, also been injured. Not sure how far behind he is until we get to training camp. That's a great question. Well, you remember Kevin O'Connell on draft night when they picked Addison, he was really fired up and he said, this is a week one starter right, right here. That's right. Uh, I, boy, <laughs> I think it might be Addison. I Just because, number one, O'Neal could be healthy. Number two, 
Udo would have to win, I think, a competition just to to be in that spot. I think he would have to beat out Vidarian Lowe. He would have to beat out Blake Brandle just to be considered your backup right tackle. So I'm going to go with Addison, who probably has a clearer path. Um, and if, if he is healthy and proves that he can, you know, kind of ball, he might be a week one starter. Now, now, Luke, technicality, if they put three receivers out on the field to start the game, does Addison get the start? That's a start in my book, Sam. This is the new league. It's the modern era. Pass happy okay. league. Then I'm yeah. definitely going Addison. No, you're right. I, I get a little worried, especially with these first-round picks, man. You miss any mini camp or any OTAs at all. Very easily, you can fall quickly behind, and all of a sudden, you're you're buried on the depth chart. Guys like Jalen Naylor aren't giving you a free pass anytime soon. So uh, I hope he's ready to go and fully healthy day one at training camp. Next one up, which injured player last year is more likely to see more snaps in 2023, Lewis Seen or Andrew Booth? Who you got? Wow, that's another good question. Uh, Seen right now is kind of clearly your fourth safety and Metellus has hopped him. So I, I just don't, I don't know if that's going to change between now and the season. Whereas I think that the cornerback roles are completely wide open. Um, Andrew Booth could easily go in there and outplay Blackman. He could outplay Evans. Um, he could outplay Jawan Williams. Like it's there for the taking for him. Whereas I think the safety hierarchy is a little more established. I think that it's fairly clear to me that it's Harrison Smith, Cam Bynum, Josh Metellus, and then Seen. So I'm going to go with Andrew Booth. Yeah, it's one thing to see and hear about three safety looks and packages, four safety look and packages unheard of. Brian Flores loves to run that dime defense as well. That means six DBs on the field, four of them typically cornerbacks. Andrew Booth Jr., I think, I think early signs anyways, point two, maybe Booth gets a slight nod in this one. Another playing time one for you here, Sam, which UDFA is more likely to see more defensive snaps by season's end? Ivan Pace Jr. or Andre Carter? Defensive snaps only, no special teams here. Yeah, I'm going to go Carter. I think, um, again, just a dearth of talent at that edge rushing position. Daniil Hunter could be out of the picture. We're probably going to find out if if he's holding out here in the next week or so. And Andre Carter, who already has been brought in to some of the first team reps, I think has a great chance. Uh, I don't see them rotating as much at linebacker unless somebody gets hurt. So there just may not be a role for Ivan Pace immediately. They've really liked Troy Reader in that base defense as the third linebacker. He's just the veteran presence. So I think that Pace probably is a special teams demon, but on defense, I don't think he's going to have as many openings as Andre Carter. Love Ivan Pace Jr. and his potential down the road in this Brian Flores defense, but give me the guy who's already getting first team looks here and there. Even if it's only sprinkled in, give me Andre Carter. I'm with you. Who's more likely to be a surprise cut Jalen Rager or Ross Blacklock? Now, I, I say surprise cut because both were traded for draft picks just last season. So I think to see either get cut already would be super disappointing. But who's more likely to get cut, in your opinion? Boy, I don't like either of them. Um, Got to pick one, huh? I'm going to go Rager. And the vibe I got watching the documentary... When Kirk Cousins threw that pick six and it was Rager's fault, Colts game. He was he was salty, right? Kevin O'Connell was salty. I remember seeing that 
uh, in the some of the, the NFL films footage of the game, O'Connell was not pleased. So when that happens, if someone makes that kind of mistake and people react that way, it makes me think that it's happened before in practice and in games and that he's not a first-time mistake maker. So maybe this is a problem for him. They brought in Brandon Powell, who does the exact same stuff as Jalen Rager. It might be a little more reliable. So I think that Rager is a more likely cut because they do have Addison. They do have Naylor. They've got a bunch of young receivers with a ton of upside. Thayer Thomas might have more upside at this point than Jalen Rager in the last year of his contract. So I think you got to have cost-controlled options. Why would you hold on to Rager and block somebody else who might have three years of cheap team control? I'm going Jalen Rager. Hey, if I'm Jalen Rager, I'm saying, hey, what are you mad at me for? Without me, you couldn't have broke the all-time greatest comeback in NFL history. So you kind of owe me, man. A little give and take here. Next one up, which player is more likely to end the season with more rushing yards, Dwayne McBride or King Kenne? More likely to finish with more rushing yards Kenny Wangwu or the rookie Dwayne McBride? Who you got? Let's go with the rookie. Let's go with McBride. Let's go with McBride. Maybe, uh, you know, they, they just have so many backs that one of them has to get left out. And I think that if Kenny is very focused on being the kick returner, maybe that's just his role. It's kind of been his role for the last two years. Maybe that's his niche. They've got McBride. They've got Chandler. They've got Madison. They brought McBride in not to be a special teamer, but to run the football. So that's probably more his niche. I think it's going to be McBride. We see rookies come in all the time and succeed in this league. Dwayne McBride, that's my answer. Who's more likely to finish with more interceptions in 2023? Cam Bynum or Byron Murphy? Mm. I'm going to go with the safety, Cam Bynum. I just think that interceptions come more to safeties naturally. You know, a lot of overthrown balls. They, they get to see the whole field. Their head doesn't have to always uh, turn to see the throw. I just think that, that that's why we see safeties lead the league a lot of the time with picks. Harrison Smith's always been good for four or five. Uh, that could be Cam Bynum this year who gets those opportunities. So I'm going to go with Cam. Great explanation and breakdown. Some of the best cornerbacks of all time and their greatest seasons ever played, they only have one, two interceptions sometimes just because either teams aren't thrown their way or it's just so many passes deflected or things like that. Safeties, you get that ball bouncing way up in the air. Anybody can go up and grab it. Cam Bynum has three career picks in two seasons, had two last year. Murphy in four seasons has five career interceptions, but four of them, Sam, came all in 2021. Last year and in 2020, he didn't have any. Mm -hmm. But he also only played nine games last year, too. So tough yeah. to say about that one. Who's more likely to finish the year as quarterback to Nick Mullins or Jaron Hall? Well, I don't want to base all of my takes off of this documentary, but what, what did we learn? We learned how tough it is to be a quarterback in this league. We learned the research that goes into it, how tough it is to learn a new system. And it does kind of shed some light that you know, rookie, being a rookie quarterback is not a joke. You have to do be so diligent just to get caught up to speed. So was the question who starts as backup or who ends who as backup? Who finishes the year as finishes. quarterback too. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that gives Hall more of a shot for sure. I'm going to say Mullins. I think yeah. that they'll be content to keep Hall on the bench as long as possible, as long as Cousins is healthy. Um, now, if Cousins gets hurt, 
then it might be better for them to start Jaron Hall. But in terms of who's backup, I think Nick Mullins is the answer. Yeah, that one could go either way for me. Flip a coin. I'm with you, though. Number one takeaway, Kirk Cousins was swimming in that playbook even six, seven, eight weeks into the season. So what does that tell you? Tells me a rookie like Jaron Hall coming from a small program like BYU shouldn't be anywhere near starting anytime this year. Uh, Next one up, which player is more likely to be replaced during the season due to poor play? Ed Ingram or Garrett Bradbury? Who you got? Hmm. Another good question. You know, they do have average depth, I think, at, at guard. Um, mm-hmm. Not so much at center. Center's a little more specialized, and I'm not sure if, you know, Austin Schlopman is an awesome backup there for, for Bradbury. I think that Ingram, I mean, Bradbury just has four years, what, four or five years? Four years under his belt where they know exactly what they're going to get from him. Some struggles in the pass game, better in the run game. Good job diagnosing uh, defenses, helping out Kirk. Like he still does a lot of good stuff. Ed Ingram just didn't do much of anything good last year. And if he starts out the same way, kind of on the struggle bus, I think that they would be willing to pull a second year guy rather than a fifth year guy. So I'm going to go with Ingram. Good point. Remember, this is an offensive line that allowed the most quarterback hits in the entire league. And a lot of folks are looking at that center and right guard position as two big reasons why. The problem is. Like you said, who are you replacing them with? There's just not a lot of great depth on that interior right now. Next one up, which player is more likely to be lost to free agency next offseason, K.J. Osborne or Ezra Cleveland? Yeah, I think it's K.J. I just think that K.J. is going to be more costly. The cost of wide receivers is so high. Um, Ezra Cleveland could be that random guard that gets, like, absurdly overpaid in right. at least in our eyes i don't know if he's done enough to to be really a really sought after free agent but it could be a bradbury deal right it could be a deal where he wants to come back where he's been playing and they give him a very fair kind of team friendly midterm deal whereas osborne just feels like he's going to sign long term 10 million a year or more uh, the Vikings probably can't afford that. They've just got so many commitments they have to make otherwise. And they've got Jordan Addison in the wings. So I think that, unfortunately, I think Osborne is the one to go. Yeah, it's probably KJ. It's just because the money these receivers command now, he's going to get some DJ Chark type of money, except a little bit more inflated, maybe three years, 34 or $5 million, something like that. I will say, though, all offseason, OTAs, minicamp, etc., We have seen Blake Brandle working out at guard for the first time, left guard specifically, and it wouldn't surprise me to find out they're just getting a long, hard look at him as a potential replacement for Ezra next year if they were to lose him for some reason because they know what they got after Darisol went down for three, four games. But now, do they want to see him get reps at guard just to see if he's got some starting potential there down the road? Or if nothing else, maybe just a backup plan in case injuries take place. Remember, Chris Reed, Schlotman and Ezra, all free agents next year. So I just think this offensive line is going to look a lot different, whether it's the starters or just the depth in 2024 up front in those trenches. A couple left here. Which player is more likely to break the Vikings single season receiving touchdown record for their position in 2023? TJ Hawkinson or Justin Jefferson? Let me just set the stage here real quick. Yeah. Zante Shanko holds the record for Vikings tight ends with 11 TDs back in 09 with Favre. Moss and Carter tied for the record with 17. 
Carter in 95, Moss did it twice, 98 and 2003. So 11 and 17, pending the position. Who you got? If you'd given me three guesses, I'm not sure I would have gotten Shanko. That, that's a great I, I know, right? poll. Right. Uh, yeah. Rudy, where's Rudy? Not even close. Shanko, by the way, underrated Viking in team history. I loved Shanko. He never missed a game, caught a lot of touchdowns, productive, locker room guy. Um, yeah, I, I love Vasante Shanko. Anyway, I what was the question? <laughs> no, I'm um, <laughs> what do you think about here, Sam? What's I, going on I, right now? I think it's uh, I think it's Hawkinson. I just think that there's so much attention on Justin Jefferson. Like, do you remember the uh, the two point conversion to complete the comeback against the Colts? If you watch that playback, um, Justin Jefferson was just a diversion. He was lined up out to the right just as a decoy to get attention away from the middle of the field where TJ Hawkinson roamed in single coverage and caught a TD. That was, Hawkinson was feasting on these single coverage matchups all of last year. And I think that he might get all of those Thielen targets now. Like Thielen was the red zone guy as Jefferson got the attention. And now I think Hawkinson could be the beneficiary. So if the mark to beat is 11, I think I like Hawkinson's chance there more than I like Jefferson going off for a touchdown per game which is a little more lofty. And that two-point conversion to tie it was after the Dalvin Cook run, the screen pass, obviously. The touchdown before that, same thing. Justin Jefferson was put up in the backfield, in shotgun, but in the backfield as a running back, ran a little quick flat pattern, soaked up all the defenders. Kirk Cousins found Irv Smith Jr. in the back of the end zone. So you're totally right. Down in the red zone specifically, J.J., tends to be a little bit more of a decoy. Uh, what's more likely here? Kirk Cousins breaking either the Vikings passing touchdown or yardage record for a single season or Kirk Cousins rushing for over two and a half touchdowns. And I'll set the stage here real quick again. Dante Culpepper holds both passing records. 39 touchdowns is the most for a Viking in a season. 4,717 passing yards is the record. Both in 2004, Dante set those. Kirk, by the way, only 200 yards shy of that last year. So he was right there with the yards. Rushing touchdowns, on the other hand, he's never had more than two in a season since he got to Minnesota, and that was last year. But in Washington, people forget, he scored 13 rushing touchdowns his final three years. So he's got it in there somewhere. He just clearly doesn't want to escape the pocket unless he absolutely has to. I think that the Eagles are changing the league a little bit with their success in the QB sneak. What, 37 to 41, 37 to 39, something crazy like that. And the Patriots have done that for so many years, too. I think the teams are just going to copycat and realize that if you've got a short yardage, third or fourth and one, the best play you can do is the QB sneak. And I think the Vikings, savvy organization that they are. I think that they will try to take advantage of that. So I think we might see Kirk on the goal line getting pushed by CJ Ham a couple times this season. So I'm going to go over on the TDs. I like that. All right, two left here. What's more likely, Brian Asamoa leads the team in tackles or Greg Joseph has over two and a half game-winning field goals? What do you think? Uh, yeah, um, I... I'll go with Joseph, just with the amount of close games in this league. Right. Um, 
two and a half. And what do you consider a game winner? Like inside of two minutes to go or at right, the Right, that's kind of tough. I think, yeah, with inside of two minutes or last possession anyways, doesn't need to be a walk-off, right? But mm-hmm. last possession anyways of the game for you, you know, obviously maybe the other team gets another shot, but you had the game-winning field goal to put you over the edge. It's tough. I mean, if you include those, Joseph had, what, five last year? I mean... Washington, Colts game, Jets game. Those are just three right off the top of my head. Well, Giants, 61-yarder Giants against the Giants. That's um, four right there. Yeah, I mean, he's he, over the two and a half for sure. So, yeah, I, yeah I'm going to go Joseph again. I, I guess it's more of a skeptical about Asamoah kind of thing. I just don't – I don't know – if he's going to be that kind of tackle machine that like Eric Hendricks was. So I'm going to go with Joseph. Last one here. What's more likely Justin Jefferson, who's in eighth place right now in Vikings all-time receiving yardage, finishes the season in fourth, fifth, or sixth place most in all-time Vikings history. And I tweeted this out yesterday. Not sure if you saw it. Here's what JJ needs to surpass Sammy White in sixth place. He needs 1,575 yards to surpass Jake Reed. He needs 1608. And to surpass Adam Thielen, fourth all time, he needs 1857 yards. So it's a pretty narrow window between Sammy White and Jake Reed. Same like thing. He, would, he right. would have to slot in. There's like a 33 yard window there. So odds are, I think, that he passes Jake Reed, but does not pass Adam Thielen. He would have to go close to 2,000 yards to pass Adam Thielen. I'm not ruling that out. Maybe he and Ty, maybe it'll be like the big home run chase. Luke, remember when you were a kid, oh, McGuire and Sosa? Maybe it'll be Tyreek Hill, who just declared he's going for 2,000 yards. Maybe it'll be Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson back and forth on the seesaw, and we'll look at the newspaper the next day, and they'll have a tracker like, where's Hill? Where's Jefferson? It'll go back and forth every week. Um, I think I think that realistically, he's going to beat out Jake Reed. Uh if he beats Adam Thielen out, then it's the greatest season in Vikings uh, wide receiving history. Steroids or not, that 98 summer of McGuire and Sosa back and forth was the the summer of my life when it comes to my baseball mm-hmm. childhood. I'll just say that. Uh, as far as this JJ thing goes, what's crazy about all of them, whether he does it this year or it's next year, the amount of fewer games it's going to take him to get there, even if he has an off year. It's absolutely insane. Let's just say he broke the record, right? He surpassed some of these guys the last game of the season. So 17 games it took him. 61 fewer games to pass Sammy White to hit that mark. 67 fewer games to pass Jake Reed. And 68 fewer games to pass Adam Flynn. That's insane. What are we talking? Four and a half seasons right there? That's insane. The track and trajectory this kid is on is absolutely out of this world. Knock on wood. Kid stays healthy and stays in purple for a long, long time. All right, there you have it. Some good thinkers, though. What'd you think? Revolving around the Vikings 2023 season there, just to get the juices flowing a little bit here, Sam, now that we're just, what, 11 days from the start of training camp, just over three weeks from the Vikings' first preseason game. That's first the Seahawks, August 10th. Man, 11 days till we get to hear the pads pop, Sam? Woo! There's going to be a good cadence to it, too, because you've got, you know, padded practice, Night practice, then you play a game, then you get the Cardinals in here. Yep. And you play a game, and you get the Titans in here, and you play a game. So there won't be the usual lull around mid August, late August that we usually feel. I think it's going to feel pretty busy, pretty fast paced. Um, and it's going to be a fast August. I mean, September, Labor Day is going to be here before you know it. 
Yeah, that means we only got about three more months to figure out how to play good golf, man. It's not, it's not looking good for not us. Not going to happen. Not looking Just, good. Yeah. Not looking good. Yeah. Uh, let's end with this one here just real quick. What's one non-obvious thing you just can't wait to see or find out about training camp when you go watch practice live at TCO and Egan those first few days? Like, what's in the back of your mind with these 2023 Vikings that's keeping you up at night? Mm-hmm. A lot of things, actually, keep me up at night. Uh, I, I think... The secondary rotation is certainly front of mind because cornerback is so valuable and can be so damaging if you don't get it right. So to see who's going to emerge there and whether they just go straight, you know, cornerback by committee is going to be really interesting. Defensive line could be a gigantic rotation. They're just, they're, they're really trying to make up for their deficits kind of in the aggregate. Like, can they do it with depth? Can they do it with fresh legs and rotations and Schemed. savvy scheme? Yeah, yeah, savvy scheme. Like, it's they're not going to win on talent with defense. They got to do it other ways. So they're going to try to be creative, and that might actually make it all the more entertaining to watch. So that's going to be fun. I want to see how they're going to incorporate some of these new offensive pieces. Josh Oliver, uh, Dwayne McBride, and then the Ty Chandler... Uh, Ken A. Wongwu, Dwayne McBride battle too for that number two running back spot, all of that. And then Jordan Addison, of course, just see the new pieces and uh, hey, might be a little kicker battle too. You never know. Special teams. We got Jack Podled uh, Podlesny up against Greg Joseph. No one's talking about that, but uh, you never know what can happen with these kicker battles too. I don't think Greg Joseph is necessarily entrenched. Uh, he's probably the leader in the clubhouse, but there's plenty to watch for, man. Uh, it's going to be fun. And and usually, you know, there's unfortunately an injury or two that pop up or we didn't know about that happened along the way. Uh, so that, that'll obviously be the thing to watch as well. Health. Health is important. The reverse jinx. I like that. You're calling it out now so it doesn't happen later. I like that. Okay. You know, just being the big draft guy, studying this class so much, how far behind are the rookies from actually seeing the field, getting some starting time. Specifically, you mentioned it, Jordan Addison, because again, anytime you miss any rookie minicamp or OTAs as a rookie, it can really set these kids behind the eight ball. And now you got to build all this momentum back up before week one starts. And it's not always easy. Your head is swimming, as we've learned with Kirk Cousins, digesting this KOC playbook. So Addison, McBride, Jaron Hall, Makai Blackman. I know you mentioned Jaquel and Roy got some work with the first team mm -hmm. at one point there during OTA. So kind of curious about that as well. And then I just got to see this Brian Flores defense up close and personal with my own two eyes, man. Is it actually as aggressive as they say? How many sub packages are we going to get? The three safety sets, the dime coverage looks with six DBs. And with that, I think in that same realm, how in the world is he going to rotate these four safeties? I mean, we talked about it earlier, yeah. but if fans don't get to see Lewis seen, I mean, Quasi's first overall pick ever on the field soon, uh, there's going to be a lot of frustration. There's going to be some mayhem. As of now, he's buried on the depth chart. So rookies for me, first and foremost, I'm watching them. And then just this Flores defense, the sub packages, who's subbing in, who's subbing out, what all that looks like. I can't wait to find out about the most. 11 days, man. We'll know a lot more in 11 days here, Sam. That's crazy, man. 11 days. Unbelievable. Flying by. That's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode. It's your one-stop shop breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. 
at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. Thanks for tuning into the Football Party, part of the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. We're going to be back tomorrow with the Mailbag Edition, per usual, with Kara Levin's Reggie Wilson. But until then, I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Signing out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.